and everybody who helped with eggs and it's every time I see kids just running all over the place, it feels like chaos, but there's a lot of hours that go into making those moments perfect. And so our events team and the kids team, they did an awesome, awesome job to make sure that, listen, when kids start running around chasing candy, it can get, it can get mad. But it was, it was really fun and it was really awesome. Everybody had a blast. So um, thrilled to have you guys joining us online today. I want to jump right into a new series, but I do want to welcome you and say that we're so thrilled to have you, so happy that we get to do this together. And uh, I, I feel like moving into summertime and moving into uh, the rest of this year, uh, we're still wearing masks. We're still trying to be as safe as possible, but more, pe- more people jumping on the, the vaccines and the numbers continuing to go down. We are really, really uh, excited and enthusiastic about the idea that things are feeling better, fe- things are feeling safer, things are feeling more normal, and we're able to do more of the normal things. And you will see the calendar coming out for the rest of the summer uh, with Relate. I-, I feel like it's everybody who's on the planning committees, everybody who's on our leadership teams, it feels like more than ever, they, they want to do more events than ever and more things on the schedule, and uh, it's just exciting for me that everybody is wanting to plan things, and um, I think you're going to be thrilled as you begin to see that calendar unfold between now and August. So if you want to be involved, come and join us. Uh, We are, every event you're invited to, I'll just say that. (laughs) You don't need a special invitation, whether it's Sunday morning or whether it's picnic or fishing day or all the things that are planned. It's going to be a blast. So Let's jump right into Playlist, a brand new series. It's actually, it's not brand new. It's kind of new. We, we, we did it a while back. Our plan was to do it last year, and that all of our plans for last year, just to be totally transparent with you, all of our, tra- all of our plans for last year kind of flew out the window. And so when we, uh, when we thought about coming back to this series, we asked you guys, um, what, what were your favorite songs? And then we took those songs just like Jesus would use modern illustrations and point at a farmer or point at seeds or point at the, the, uh, the fig tree or like use different elements of everyday life to illustrate heavenly points. And so we pulled some of the, the redeemable points out of these songs. So some of you guys will be asking, well, how can you preach about Michael Jackson? How can you, pre- how can you preach about this song or that song? And over the next five weeks, you will just have to see the surprises that we have in store for you. But I promise you, there are some really, really powerful, heavenly, spiritual principles like the one that we're going to jump in today with blinding lights by the weekend. So how many of you actually, just by a show of hands, how many of you actually know this song? Or you've heard this song? Are you familiar with this song? I, I would say because it's at the top of the, uh, the top charts for 2020, most everybody, whether you actually know the song or familiar with it, you've heard it before because it just plays everywhere. It plays in the grocery store whenever you're shopping. It plays uh, on the radio constantly, Spotify, maybe you listen, wherever you listen to music. I want us to look at not just the title of the song because I've already had a lot of people ask, are you going to preach on this? Are you going to preach on this? I believe I have... Uh, a message today that no one would be able to follow, or uh, hopefully you can follow it. If you can't follow it, that's my fault. Um, but I don't think you'd be able to uh, guess where we're going because it doesn't really have to do with the title, but it has to do with the meaning of the song, and it has to do with where the song is coming from. And I want us to look at that. But let's look at real quick. If you don't know, the weekend is actually 
uh, a character uh, played by a guy. Now, he, he actually says, I play this character of the weekend, but Abel Tespe plays the character of the weekend as a celebrity singing and now acting. And I want to read you some of the lyrics to this song, Blinding Light. And we'll start right here with the verse at the very beginning. And in fact, the, the opener video that you watched coming into this was, was a, his, Super Bowl, his Super Bowl commercial using this song uh, for this last year's Super Bowl. And it was a lot of hype. He got a lot of popularity and a lot of visibility in the public eye. And this song had a lot of questions around it. And you'll see why in a second. So he, he says in verse 1, I've been trying to call. I've been on my own for long enough. Maybe you can show me how to love. Maybe. I'm going through withdrawals. You don't even have to do too much. You can turn me on with just a touch, baby. I look around and Sin City's cold and empty. No one's around to judge me. I can't see clearly when you're gone. And then we get to the chorus and ooh, I'm blinded by the lights. No, I can't sleep until I feel your touch. Right? So usually the song is just going. You're not really thinking about what the words are. But when you actually dig into what does that mean, there's actually a lot of questions around that. So if you search on the internet, you'll get all kinds of ideas. But most people agree that it kind of uh, points in, in, in the same direction. It's just what does that mean? So let's look at it. Let's dig a little bit deeper into those lyrics because I don't want to talk about blinding lights. I want to talk about what is he actually looking for? What, he's been on his own for long enough. He's going through withdrawals. He just needs to get, he just needs her touch. He just needs some uh, affection or he needs uh, no one. He says there's no one here in Sin City to judge me. We know that uh, the music video, which I'm not going to show you, uh, is really crazy. It's, it's, it's like he's driving through Las Vegas in a convertible uh, Mercedes Benz, and uh, at some point, I think he gets into an accident, but all the lights are blinding. It's like he's on this drug and drink-fueled drive through the city. Everything's kind of psychedelic, and all the lights are kind of blending together, and he's on a journey to get to something. And in fact, a reporter asked him, what is this song about? What, is, what does this even mean? And his, his, uh, his words were this, and I'll let you read them. Blinding lights is about how you want to see someone at night and you're intoxicated and you're driving to this person and you're just blinded by the streetlights, but nothing could stop you from trying to go see that person because you're so lonely. I don't want to ever promote drunk driving, but that's what the dark undertone is. So the song is really dark. It's not just to do with the fact that clearly he's on probably dr uh, drugs, alcohol, there's something fueling this, but also deep down, I think I could put it this way. There are a lot of fruits in the video as far as like, well, he's got this problem, he's got this issue, he's got this desire. But I think for all of us, we have to dig down to what is the root, not the fruit. So what is causing this need for him to not just get to this person, but also have to go through all of these things to get to that point? And most of the internet believes, we can speculate, <laughs> Although before, before digging in and investigating, I, I had no clue about this song, but I have since found out probably way more than I wanted to know. And so most of the internet believes that this song was written about uh, one of his ex-girlfriends. They broke up. They think he wrote this song because he desperately wanted to get back with her. And then uh, he's driving through Las Vegas 
hoping, needing to get back to her, having that empty space that he just, at any cost, even if it costs him his life, even if it costs him a wreck, even if it means that driving drunk and drinking and uh, the drugs or whatever it is, he's desperate to get back to that person that he thinks fulfills him or that he thinks. He, in fact, in the, in the course, he says, I won't rest until I get back to you. And isn't, I think that that, re, that resonates with me for sure. That, I, I believe that that is a common theme for all of our lives, that there are things that we cannot find rest through. There are things that when it's gone, when there's that emptiness, when there's that feeling like, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied with the way that my life is. I'm not satisfied with what I've been giving. And it might be the drugs or the alcohol or Las Vegas or whatever all that represents. There's lots of things we try to use to satisfy that need just to find rest that we would use just to get to a place where we can be fulfilled. And with that perspective, I want to read verse 1 again to you. He says, I've been trying to call. Like there's that empty, I'm trying to fill this thing. I've got this need. He says, I've been on my own for long enough. Maybe you can show me how to love. Maybe. I'm going through withdrawals. That makes a little bit more sense now. You don't even have to do too much. You can turn me on with just a touch. In other words, if I could just get to you, things would be okay. If I could just get to you, I could rest. Otherwise, I'm out of my mind, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and broken. You can make me better. You can fix me with just one touch. Maybe for you, it's not that person. Maybe it's not an ex-girlfriend model that you just have to have in your life. Maybe it's a raise. Maybe it's uh, that you feel like you just need to get married or that you need to get rid of a person. Or there's a, there are things in our life that we just feel like if I could just check this box, I could be satisfied. If I could just do this thing, then I could be fixed. I could, be, I, could, I could know what it means to love. Maybe it's a new car. If I could just get a better car, if I could just get my family in order, if I could just pay off this debt. There are so many things that we feel like if I could just do that thing. And probably all, we could go around the room and probably not repeat the same thing because there are so many things that we use to try and satisfy that empty space that remains unoccupied. I don't know what that thing is for you, but I can tell you this, that every one of those things can only offer momentary satisfaction. It's like a Band-Aid, right? Because I think uh, so often we feel that way, and then when we actually achieve that thing, what do we find? We find that that doesn't actually satisfy us. It's almost like the pursuit feels like we're being satisfied, but when we get there, then there's another thing that's unsatisfying. So it's this constant search, a constant um, looking for what can make me whole. One of the things that confused everybody that was watching this video in 2020 was that in this video and in previous videos, part of his story, part of the weekend story was he was showing up to award ceremonies, he was showing up to concerts, he was showing up in music videos with blood on his face and uh, bandages on his head and on his face. And like people are asking him, 
what's up with these bandages? What's up with this? What are you trying to say with this? And it further, I think it further goes to show you that that it's signifying, in fact, he says the significance of the entire head bandage, they asked him, his response was, is reflecting on the absurd culture of Hollywood celebrity and people manipulating themselves for superficial reasons to please and be validated. Wow. <laughs> that feel, that's where, whenever I read that, I started thinking, that's what this song, that's what I feel like in this song. Every word of this song resonates with that, that there are things that we're trying to use to validate and fulfill. And it's amazing that he just blurts that out in one of his interviews. But to me, it just further drives home the point that what does it take to satisfy us? What does it take with our Hollywood uh, profiles and all of the social media that we that we build up and we get as many friends as we can and oh this is me and it's amazing and this fulfills my life and then we start searching for the things that other people have right we're trying to be satisfied by things that will never ever satisfy us and yet we have enough things to fill up a lifetime of the chase we try to use things. Maybe you try to use people to fill that. It would just make me feel better if I could have this or if I could reach this place or if I could get to this person. I can't sleep until I feel your touch or I could finally rest. And so I think the, the point is proven even further whenever he actually does get back with his girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend that everybody thinks that the song was written about. He gets back with her for a few months and then it's over again. And so all of the desire, all of the seeming evidence that he is desperate to get back with this person and that she is everything to fulfill him, a few months later, they're broken up again, and then life moves on, right? I want to read you a couple of verses. Uh, first, we'll go to the book of John, John chapter 6, verse 35, and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Like, let me say this, that Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy us. There, there is an emptiness in us. There is a brokenness in us. There is a part of us that can never be fixed or satisfied or fulfilled until we are reunited with the one that made us. And when that life comes into us, the, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, when that is reborn in us, then something that was broken can be fixed. Something that was that was injured and sick can be healed. He says, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's a satisfaction that all of, we could spend a lifetime trying to get to. We could spend a lifetime trying to find that satisfaction, and it's like being thirsty or hungry. In Psalm chapter 16, David says this, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with, you, with joy in your presence. There's something about being in the presence of God. There's something that happens whenever we, whenever we know God that he fills us with his joy. We're in his presence. Something is fulfilled that you could, you could chase every other thing in the world, every materialistic, everything, every relationship. Maybe you feel like you've got to travel. You just got to go see that and go feel this and go experience this. But I promise you, None of those things will satisfy you like Jesus does. He says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I love that, the idea that there are things. 
He said in Jeremiah, I have hopes and dreams for you. I have, I have things I want to give you that you couldn't even imagine. And yet, somehow in our own mind, it's like Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's like all of a sudden that, that fruit becomes so tempting. It's like, if I, that's the thing that's going to make me better. And then we get there, we realize, nope, that's not the thing. We have, we have a soul that is unsatisfied until we are reunited with our Savior, and then our soul can rest. The woman at the well, Jesus asked her for a drink of water, and then they started talking, and he said, if only you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink of the living water, and when you had that, you would never need to drink again. Like there's something that he gives us that is a thousand percent satisfying. And it's like the scripture that says taste and see because I can tell you about it all day. I can tell you about it till I'm blue in the face. But until you taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll never know what that, satisf what that satisfaction looks like. But we try to fill that, we try to fill that hole, that, that unsatisfied feeling, that desire to be fulfilled. We try to fill that with temporary things. We try to fill it with things that are, they're like band-aids or bandages actually. So I brought some bandages, but I want you to think about this. There are things in our life that we, we try to fill or cover over with a bandage and then we feel like, okay, it's okay. Uh, I'll be all right. But it's like a, it's like a, almost like a house that's infested with bugs, imagine. I don't even like to think about that. <laughs> a house that's just infested with bugs, and every time they break through the wall, you're just putting a patch on the wall. Oh, I fixed it. If I could just get that hole fixed, and now if I could just, like, the, that's the fruit, right? That's the part you can see on the outside. That's the hole that manifests on the outside that, oh, we have a problem here, guys. We got to cover that hole. But wait, the problem's not the hole. The problem is the fact that the house is full of bugs, and they're chewing through the walls. You got to address the root first. But we use people and we use things and we use stuff and experiences in life to try to satisfy the fruit, to satisfy the thing that we can see, the thing that we feel in our feelings. And there are issues that are much deeper than that. I'm going to ask Grace to come and help me for a second. The first thing I think that is is a root that we get caught in. The thing that we try to fix is when someone does us wrong. Here, you can take this one. The thing that we try to fix is when someone does us wrong. And it's like, this person broke my heart. This person hurt me so bad. This person, uh, I trusted them. And what they, what they did wasn't right. It was wrong. It was, it was wrong all over. So I'm, she's going to just put a bandage on this so I can feel better. My heart is broken, and I need some help. I'm desperate for something to cover over this, this pain that I have in my heart. And if I could just find someone to help me fix it, or maybe I need a new relationship. Maybe I need a new relationship, or maybe if I could just find someone that can fix me, my heart would be better. Or I end up, it's the next one, it's the next one. Maybe it's 50 people. So real quick, we're going to put wrong right here. This hurt. 
and I can carry it around for a long time, and I can keep trying to fix this, like the hole in the wall in the house filled with bugs. I got a, I got a big problem deep down, but the, the thing that I keep addressing is that this hurts right here. I'm going to put a patch right here. I got to find something to fix this. I got this problem. Or maybe it's uh, that gut punch where someone lies to you, where you're, you, you trusted someone again. Yep, let's, let's put another bandage right here. You trusted someone, and what did they do? They lied to you. They tricked you. Here we go. This is a great outfit I have here. And so what do we have? We have this gut punch called lies. And so now I have this injury. I have this, this pain in my stomach. I have this pain that I carry around with me, and I'm wearing it. And I might spend my life trying to fix it because I can walk around this with my whole life as long as I keep putting bandages on. Everybody lies. Now I'm lying because that's just the way the world works. And then, right about down here on my feet, everywhere I go, it's like a mess everywhere I go. There's chaos, strife. If I, walk, if I go to my house, everybody's fighting. I feel like my whole life's a mess. I feel like I can't get my life together. This one kind of goes back to, uh, I thought about putting this one on my face, but the truth is everywhere I go, it's a problem because whether uh, I get a new job or I move, everything seems to be a problem. I think that I'm running away from the problem, but what I'm actually doing is taking the problem with me. Maybe I even have, the, maybe I even have this idea that if I could just have a better uh, nose, or if I could just have bigger lips, or if I could just change the way I look, then people would like me more, or I would be a better person, or I'd be satisfied if I could change, but I can't, I just can't find peace. I, there's chaos everywhere I go, drama. I create drama. People are divisive around me, and then ends up becoming uh, manipulative, and I end up putting my foot in my mouth. How about this one? I feel like my thoughts are spinning around and around and around with failure. Ever since I was a kid, I just thought, you know what? I'm a failure. I wish I could do right. I wish I could, I wish I could fix my life, but I, I don't have a lot of hope for that because I'm just not good enough. Maybe I do need plastic surgery. Maybe I do need better clothes. Maybe I do need better friends. Maybe I need a better car. I don't even know who I am anymore because my thoughts are just all over the place. I, well, I don't know why I'm thinking about this. These don't feel like my thoughts. I have a bad self-image. I don't even like myself. And so I end up carrying around failure. My thoughts, who am I? End up wanting to hurt myself, wanting to harm myself. Wanting, wanting, I feel like there's no point for me to even be here. What about all the other people that are just overwhelming me and I'm afraid? And so I hide behind things. And so right here. We'll just wrap a new bandage on this because I've been hit so many times. By the things that I can't control. And I carry my fear right here. This is not a great outfit, right? This is not a, 
this is not the kind of, this is not how I want to look, but the anxiety and the fear and the, the worry and the doubt is something that just is overwhelming to me, and so I hide behind it. Maybe I take pills or got to get into a program or go to a class or something that can make me better. There's things that make me better. And finally, maybe, maybe it's the things that I'm reaching for. And, and I feel like everything I touch is a problem. So we'll just put a bandage right here on this hand. And we're going to call it flesh. Because this thing. Thanks, Grace. This is the thing I'm touching. This is the thing that I reach out. I have to buy this thing. I have to. I feel I will feel better if I do this. Maybe if I touch this, maybe if I look at this, maybe if I, uh, this is my appetite for life and I can never stop reaching for the next thing. So I'm just going to put a new bandage on this and hey, that injury, that pain that I was feeling, it feels better for now. I'm all new. Look, put some bandage on it. I'm a lot better now. I'm good. I'm fine. Y'all go ahead. Don't worry about me. Can I tell you something? The things we use that are temporary, they're not, even meant, they're not meant to last forever. We try to satisfy the inner desires that God made us with. They can only be satisfied with Him. We've tried to satisfy them with every other thing. Those things will never last. How many of you have ever had a cast on before? How many of you ever had a bandage on that you had, like stitches or something that you had surgery, you couldn't take it off for a few days, and now you've got this bandage that's been on for a couple of days? Y'all might know where I'm going, because what happens after a few days of a bandage being on, when you take that off, you don't want to know what's under there. (laughs) It could be rotten under there. And I don't want to get too graphic, but I want you to understand that some of the things that we've been covering over and bandaging over for years and years and years on the inside, I'm not talking about the outside, the things that we've been bandaging over on the inside, they're rotten. And we keep putting a fresh bandage on. Oh, it's nice and clean now. Look at that. It looks great. But on the inside, it's rotting flesh. Smells bad. It's not healing. In fact, it's getting worse. It's spreading. Imagine wearing bandages, not just for a few days, but for years and years and years. It can get really bad. That's a picture of us on the inside. It's a picture of us on the inside. Psalm 16, he says that I will give you joy in your presence. He's going to show us the path of life with eternal pleasures at his right hand. We think we need new clothes, new girlfriend, new, uh, new things, new face, new outfit. I want to show you really quickly that there are six things right here, six things that God wants us to have, that there are things that we should be. Listen, you can't fix a, a permanent problem and an invisible problem with a temporary solution. You can't fix the thing. You can't fix these things with just temporary things. And so I want us to look at Ephesians, but in Ephesians, Paul is giving the church, he's talking about, if you go back and read all of Ephesians, he's reading church things. He's telling the church how to be a better church. He's telling the church how to do 
the church things. And so they're living in a pagan world. They're living in a world that's exactly like we're describing, that offers an alternative to real things, that offers an alternative to the real and satisfying things God will give us. And here's what Paul says. Watch. Three times he says, stand firm. But in verse 10, Ephesians 6, he says a final word. So he's given them all these things of how to be a better church. He says a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So first off, whose power do we need? We don't need our power. He tells us to be strong in his power. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Put on, put on. All of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm. He says stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So I wish we had time to, to unpack this for another hour. But the devil has a strategy to get you. And I, can I tell you that just like in the Garden of Eden, in one of the most famous stories of the Bible, just like with Eve and Adam, the devil's strategy is to give you an alternative to the thing that God wants to give you. God says, I have an amazing life for you. And the devil says, no, 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 no. This one would be way better. If you just take this thing, it'll fix you. This will make you like what you really want to be. And what that actually does is it makes it worse. And so watch what, here, here's the main point I want you to get before we leave today. And that is, he goes on to the next verse. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Everybody say the word heavenly places. So he's, he's drawing a comparison between, hey, you've got earthly flesh, flesh and blood. You have, you have the, the, the physical stuff all over here. That's not your enemy. That's not it. He says over here, you've got heavenly places. That's the spirit world. That's where Jesus is seated, in the heavenly places. And you know that in Ephesians, it also says that we are seated with him. When we become Christians, when you, be, when you get saved, when you give your life to him, it says that he puts us and seats us with Christ in heavenly places. That means that you, let me just say this, you are a spirit, you have a soul, mind, body, you have thoughts, you have feelings, but you also live in a body. And so often we get drawn toward, we lean into the flesh stuff. And Paul's trying to remind the church, hey, you're not here for that. That's not your battle. That's not your fight. It's the, it's the thing, it's the heavenly places that you need to worry about. Because that's where the devils are. That's where the devil's strategy, he's thinking and strategizing against you. And that's where, that's where God is. And that's where we should be operating from. That's where we should be thinking. That's where our thoughts should be on spiritual things. In the spiritual realm, not the physical realm. Everything visible is superseded by something invisible in that heavenly realm. And if you forget, as the church, as the body of Christ, as a Christian, that you should be thinking from the spirit world, what's going to happen is that you'll get caught up in the earthly things. You'll get caught up in flesh and blood. And you know what you'll try to do? You'll try to satisfy things with flesh and blood. You'll try to fill those invisible needs with physical things. Your problem is not the fruit, it's the root. You can't fix the invisible 
with the visible things. You're never going to be able to get the right clothes or eat enough or find enough girlfriends or boyfriends or get married and divorced and married and divorced and go through enough stuff to make those issues better. You cannot fix a spiritual problem with a physical solution. I'll read you one more verse, and this is incredible. If we go over to 1 Corinthians, Paul is giving the same, a similar message in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. He says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And we know that he's talking about when we leave this world, whenever we are reborn and we become as spiritual beings, we're with God in heavenly places. But watch this. The mortal has put on immortality. He's talking about us becoming something different. When we die, we're leaving this world. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in the victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. In other words, stand. Immovable. Don't be moved. Stand strong. That's just what we read in Ephesians. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Like God wants us to stop chasing after things, being moved to this and that. And every time we take a blow to the stomach because someone lies to us or heartbreak, we're broken. And we fall down. And we take the hit. But God gave us some heavenly tools. In other words, he put, he put on us. Until we get that renewed body, that spiritual body in heavenly places, until we get that, he gave us some spiritual things to put on our earthly body. But just like a doctor gives medicines, you can put it on the shelf and never use it. So he says, put on the full armor of God. Then he says again, three times, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Right here. Why do we need the belt of truth? Because truth is something that can challenge every lie that the devil gives us. And instead of carrying around the lies, he says, I have this spiritual weapon, this spiritual armor that I want to put on you. You can stand strong. You still have to be in a physical world. But I want to give you this peace from, a, from the heavenly realm, from heavenly places. I've sent you something to put on your body. The devil is a liar. You know that's his biggest weapon? He's going to attack you with lies. You have to have the truth. And the truth is a standard that we choose to believe that God gives us the truth. And we could all have our own truth or we could all choose to accept that his truth is his word. And so we cut the bandages. We stop putting bandages on those lies to help us feel better. And we start putting truth. And now we're standing in something immovable. If I watch the, the Rockets game that's recorded on my uh, DVR at home, I can already know who won the game, right? But it doesn't change the fact I can watch every play go across. I can watch every shot being made. I can watch every play and still be as invested as ever. But I already know who's going to win the game. I already know the truth of the game. And it changes the way I look at the game. 
I can still enjoy the game. I can still be emotional about the game. I can still love it or hate it. But knowing the truth about life is the same way. It changes my perspective. I know who wins. I know where I'm going. I know who God is. And I know what the devil's trying to do to me. But if I get caught up in chasing every one of the lies, now I'm movable. Now I'm running around saying, this hurts. What am I doing? I got to find something to make this feel better. And he goes on, the next verse says, and the body armor of God's righteousness. Right here, I've got all the wrongs done to me. I've got people who have been unfaithful, but whenever I choose to accept this piece of armor that God gives us from heavenly places, and I can't, I'm going to have to rip out of it. When I choose to put on the armor of God and put on his righteousness or the breastplate of righteousness, now I don't have to have the same heartache because I know the truth and I know what God's truth is. I know what right is and what wrong is. And when wrongs happen to me, I don't have to wonder, why is this happening? I can know that, wait a second, my battle's not against flesh and blood. I know what this is about. I'm going to stand strong and I'm not moving. Perspective changes a lot, and whenever I continue to put my mind back at the place where, wait a second, I'm not operating from a physical place. I'm operating from heavenly places. I know what the standard of right and wrong is, so I cut those bandages. The next verse says, for we put shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Or the the New King James calls it the preparation of the gospel of peace, the boots, I shouldn't have to carry around chaos and strife everywhere I go. I can walk in the peace of God. If you, if you go back and read it uh, in the King James or the New King James, you'll see that he says, he says, put on the full armor of God, the shoes, the belt, the breastplate. And then he says, take with you. The next three, because there's a little bit difference in those. I think the, the last three are a standard we should hold ourselves to. Standard of right and wrong and God's righteousness. The standard of truth, of what is true and what is a lie based on what he tells us. We should be able to stand in God's peace. Peace is not everything going well. Peace is, I could be in the middle of a storm. I could be in the middle of the biggest valley. I could be in the valley of the shadow of death. The biggest battle I've ever gone through, but I can still still have the peace of God because I know that he's with me. I know that that I'm where I should be, but I've got to take with me the next ones. I've cut the bandages of lies and the wrongs that have been done to me and the chaos that I was walking in. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Take courage because I've overcome the world. In the next verse in Ephesians 6, he says, in addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith. Stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I was reading this this week and I just, I was captured by the idea that, you know what? It actually says fiery darts. There's something to that. The fact that He doesn't have to send fiery darts to kill us, but so often, fiery darts, what do they do? They catch things on fire. Like, you remember back in the old days when when the wagons would circle up with the cowboys and Indians, and the Indians would fire in arrows that were on fire? 
That wasn't to kill the cowboy. That was to catch the wagon on fire so the cowboy goes and tries to fix the fire and then they can kill him. Look, when we're fighting fear, we're no longer doing what he told us to do. We're not standing firm. We're not standing from heavenly places realizing that I am a spiritual being seated in heavenly places with Jesus and I'm here for a reason. And I'm chasing after the things of the world, trying to fix this feeling. And so we have to cut off that bandage. Stop putting the bandages on. And start acting like what God said is true. We have to put on the helmet of salvation. This idea, this understanding that I know that I'm in pain. I know that I'm a failure, that there's no reason for me to be living here, that I'm not sure I should even live another day. So many times we get caught up in this, these thoughts, these thoughts that just throw us into the, the wrong battle. We shouldn't be fighting just to realize who we are. Because when we become a Christian, whenever we are born again into a new family, he says, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm going to make you new. We have to bring our thinking into our new identity. You might not always feel like a champion. You might not always feel like, but that's why we say that our, our feelings, they lie to us. And whenever the devil wants to get you distracted away from your real purpose, he just tells you a lie and hopes he's fishing. I wonder if he'll take this lie. I wonder if he'll take this lie. And soon enough, he's got us because, oh man, maybe I am a failure. When I realize that I'm already on the winning team, I can't trust my feelings. I've got to follow. I've got to daily. I've got to put back on the helmet of salvation. No, I know who I am. I know what I was born for. I know what family I'm in. I know who my father is. I know why I'm here. You've got to put that on. Take it with you every day. It's easy to take it back off and leave it at home. You've got, your, you've got all the other elements. But you have to take it with you. And finally, he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, our only offensive weapon. And what do we do? Again, we should be focused on the Spirit and not the flesh. The flesh is a big distraction. The flesh is a big temptation. The devil tempted Jesus with the flesh over and over again in the desert and said, hey, you could just do it this way. Jesus said, no. Jesus gave him the scripture, man shall not live by bread alone. What you're offering me is not going to satisfy me because I am spirit, because I'm following something else, because my Father in heaven has sent me, right? And when you realize who you are, you'll stop reaching for temporary, visible things to try and satisfy invisible needs. I want us to pray together and I want us to make a commitment. That God, I want to keep my eyes on spiritual things. I want, to, I want to exist and reconnect with heavenly places. Why do you think we listen to worship music? Why do we continue to go back to the Word of God? The sword of the Spirit. 
because it reminds me again and again and again, why do I need to be in a small group full of people who are believers and full of faith? Why do I need to go to church on Sunday mornings? Because I need to be reminded that I'm not supposed to be focused on the flesh. I need to be reminded that I am a spirit and God wants me to keep my thoughts on spiritual things. I need to be led by the Holy Spirit and the more I chase after the flesh, the more I, maybe your life looks like you've been driving through Las Vegas and all the lights are blinding and you just can't get to where you need. You can't be satisfied. You can't rest until you get that thing. But I, I would offer you today that there is there is a satisfaction that comes from knowing Jesus like none you'll ever know until you have it so I would challenge you to taste and see that the Lord is good would you pray with me today and not only should we put aside the things of the flesh should we put aside those temporary bandages that we put on but let's put on the full armor of God. Let's put on those spiritual pieces that make us strong to walk in the Spirit. Would you pray with me? God, today, as each of us stand here with or sit here, God, we ask that you would help us to take off the temporary things that we've tried to satisfy our lives with, the relationships, the, 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 the purchases, the experiences, the the, the pictures that we've taken to try and capture those moments that we think will satisfy us. God, help us to take off all of those temporary bandages and make us whole again. You said you would bind our wounds. You said you would heal us. You said you would make us whole. You would give us a new heart. That you would give us a new mind. That you would give us a new spirit. So God, today we put on the belt of truth. We stand on your truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness and the boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace. God, we put on the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. We will not listen to the lies. We will not be what we're not meant to, to be, God. And thank you, Lord, for your, for your word that is the sword of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now before we leave this moment, I'd like to just talk to everyone who's sitting at home and everyone who's in this room. If, if you've never started a relationship with God, maybe you're still living that life that is temporary and broken and unsatisfied and joyless and you're looking for that thing that makes everything better. I promise you there's only one thing. And that's the one who made you. Today you can start a relationship with him by saying a prayer, making a confession of faith in this prayer together. Where you can start a, start a relationship, start a walk of faith. Where he comes in and he makes you new. And then you can start to walk as a spiritual being into what he made you for. So if that's you today, would you just bow your head? Everybody in the room, everybody at home, would you bow your head right where you are? I want us to say that prayer together. I want us to invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and let him make you new. Thank you, Jesus. Would you say this prayer after me? Father God, in Jesus' name, I invite you to come into my life and make me whole.
make me new. I give you my life from top to bottom. I'm tired of temporarily fixing things. I'm tired of chasing temporary fixes and being unsatisfied. I'm ready to walk with you and live for you. So fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sin and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for everybody who said that prayer? I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you because now we are living for the Spirit and we are living for new things. I'm going to invite the band to join me back on stage. And Pastor Susan's going to tell you a little bit about what comes next. Amen. That was so good. With the armor of God, after the battle, y'all, we, we will stand firm. That is good. Give it up. Come on. That is so good. If you said that prayer today, we are going to be praying over you, and we want to make sure that we put this book in your hand when you leave today. Just a little something to accompany you on your journey and your new life decision, and we celebrate you in that today. This is the time of giving. You can see the different ways to give on the screen. You can text. We'll have an usher with a bucket out in front, and we just thank you again so much. For your giving, you are making a difference every week, every day, every hour in someone's life. So I want to invite you to stand up. We're going to worship just a little bit more as we head out. And let me pray over you today. Father God, we just thank you so much for this strong word and for reminding us that whatever troubles and whatever battles that we go through, Father, that because of you, we will stand firm in the end. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.